Blog Talk Radio. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. Hi and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Our guest, Erica Anderson, is Seed and Sparks Director of Crowdfunding and Community and one of its founding members. Seed and Spark is a crowdfunding and integrated distribution platform that was developed specifically for film and film-related projects. As an actress and producer, Erica brings 10 years of theater, film, and commercial experience to her role, working with filmmakers to build audiences at Seed and Spark, where she's been responsible for the highest crowdfunding success rate in the business, which is 84% so far. And, and building, I'm sure. And Carol, From the Heart has worked with filmmakers who were fiscally sponsored by you, and then they ran their com- campaign on Seed and Spark, right? Yes, Claire. Uh, we've had some very successful campaigns through Seed and Spark for people who are fiscally sponsored by us. And thank you, Erica, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This is a true pleasure. Well, we wanted to learn more about the mission of Seed and Spark. Sure. So we have um, some big, hairy, audacious goals here at Seed and Spark, but um, really, in a nutshell, it's our goal that filmmakers actually get to make a living wage so they can continue to make the films and content that they would like to make, and we as the audience get to see that. So it's that filmmakers really uh, get to make a living wage and audience have a direct connection with their content creators. So really empowering people um, in front of the camera, behind the camera, and you know at the, at the movies that they get a say in the kind of content that uh, is being put out there in the world. Because um, we really believe that storytellers are some of the most powerful and valuable assets we have as a culture and community. Oh, I thoroughly agree with you. And coming from a background in business in the film industry, that's my personal uh, desire and goal is to turn filmmakers into the entrepreneurs that they truly are. I don't think they recognize that because I find so many talented people uh, that come through our fiscal sponsorship that are uh, that need to move into the concept that I am valuable and I should be paid for my work uh, because too many documentarians uh, don't even expect to make money on their films, and that we have to change, right, Erica? I, I firmly believe that, too. I think the more that, that artists and especially filmmakers can start to think of themselves as business owners and each film as a small startup, the more successful they will be. Um, and it doesn't mean that you know, you're pandering to your audience or anything like that, but really having a sustainable way of making a living means that you actually you have to understand the business and the money behind things and to know enough to hire people to help you. Um, I think that you know we're not gone are the days where we can expect to, to make films on our credit card and and then hope to get picked and paid back somehow. Um, I just think there are so many tools out there now and people like you, Carol, who really want to help filmmakers make this this uh, a life that they can that they can you know, that's sustainable that they can have a family and have a house and and continue to make the art uh, that they want to make. Right. That's the goal. Well, um, let's talk about the requirements that Seed and Spark has 
uh, when for crowdfunding? What do you have to uh, do to get to be able to work with Seed and Spark? Sure. So we Seed and Spark is a is a curated crowdfunding platform. Um, which means that we work with each individual project that is submitted to us uh, on a one-on-one basis to make sure that they are really ready to crowdfund. Um, And we'll get into this a little bit later, but the number one tenant of crowdfunding is that first word, the the crowd. So I sort of wish the word was crowd dot, 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 dot funding. Um, so, you know, so that this idea that you really need to build and engage a crowd and know who your audience is before you start putting your film out there into the world. So when we're looking at films for Seed and Spark, it's, it's not so much about um, whether it's our particular taste or my particular taste in a film, but are these filmmakers in a position to really grow an audience, have the understanding of what that will take and, and how much work that will take, that it's not just, um, they can't just slap up a, a campaign and people will find them. So we're really looking to see that filmmakers know and are engaged in the process of building their audience and are going to use this crowdfunding campaign, not as easy money, but as a, a way to really build and engage that audience. Okay, well, let's talk, uh, let's stay right there, because this is the sore point. From teaching yeah. my class intentional filmmaking, which I love, They, when I start talking marketing, which is class one, they say, whoa, how can I make a film and do all that social networking and all the other stuff? Do, you know, there's just no way. Um, but it is the only way now, right? You, you, I want you to please tell us about build and maintain an audience. Yes. So the wonderful benefit of using crowdfunding is that uh, you get to reach directly to your audience. You get to find the people, <clears throat> excuse me, who are really interested in what you are doing, um, and it is a direct-to-fan support. Um, and it is a lot of work, which is why I think if you can, if filmmakers and you know all of us can start to think about building our audience as a grassroots one person at a time affair. So it's not about suddenly I need tomorrow to have. 2,000 people paying attention to what I'm doing. Um, But it means that you, just like in any small business, that you go slowly, you start small, you build trust and reputation. Um, And so, you know, if you're you're thinking about crowdfunding, um, do a smaller campaign to begin with to understand what you need to do, what, what are the practices that work, what are the practices that don't, who is really paying attention to what you're doing, um, and then you grow that over time. You grow that audience over time. So it's not about click farms and having a whole bunch of people you don't know in some foreign country liking your Facebook page um, or even buying email lists from people, but really that you are starting to build an audience as a filmmaker around of people who know you, want to be a part of what you're doing, want to see the films that you're working on. So it really doesn't happen overnight, which is why it, it's not about, yes, it's overwhelming to think about coming up with a branding and marketing strategy for this one film and you haven't made it yet and you're the only one working on it. But if you can start small and have a team around you who also wants who is invested in, in getting their movies seen and made, um, then then it starts to have a, a slow growth and it's actually sustainable that way. So it's, it's, it's taking the long view. It's taking the view of your career um, and not an individual film and trying to go viral with your, your first short film. But really, how do you get people wanting to pay attention to what you're doing? How do you get people excited and now you're looking at a 5, 10, 15-year plan, not a six-month plan. Exactly. Well, all right. Um, just give us some tips on this in this area. For example, uh, I have a filmmaker who's doing a film about a 40-year-old man who uh, goes back to boxing and mm-hmm. uh, he and mixed martial arts. And the reason he does that is to show impoverished people or people from lower incomes that they can what they can do with themselves through their own by using their own uh, self control to pull themselves out of poverty and into another area. 
Sure. So is how, this a documentary? To him to do. What would, is this a documentary, Carol? Yes. Okay, great. Um, I would ask a lot of questions to begin with, um, and those first ones would be, you know, how far along are you in this project? Have you started filming? Um, and then very basically, who do you think wants to watch this film? And not demographics, not men or between the ages of 30 and, you know, 50, but really who are the living, breathing individual people that you know right now that would be interested in this film? Um, and hopefully they're not all filmmakers. They can't all be members of that boxing gym that he's going to, um, but people who are from different walks of life. So do this with five to 20 people and and literally interview them. And I know this seems really basic, but this is how we start really targeting who wants to see this movie, um, even if the movie hasn't been made yet. But you're already thinking about where this movie is going to end up. So this interview for your potential audience members is something like, you know, what social media platforms do you um, do you hang out on? Where do you engage with people online? What kind of news do you uh, pay attention to? What catches your eye? Um, what kind of music do you listen to? What blogs do you follow? What organizations do you belong to? Um, do you have any free time? Um, and, when you watch movies, how do you watch them? Do you go to the theater? Do you primarily stream them to your TV from some device? Do you only watch them on your laptop or on your mobile phone? Um, and those questions, if you start to do those with you know, 5 to 20 people, starts to give you some really interesting data about um, where are you going to reach these people? So where are they online? How should you be speaking to them? So based on what news they they pay attention to and what blogs they re read, you start to get a sense of how these people um, pay attention to things. So what, what headline, um, you know, a headline from the New York Times, for instance, is very different than a headline from BuzzFeed. So those people are paying attention to different kinds of things and therefore want to be spoken to in a different way. Um, and then, especially for documentaries, when you start to ask um, these people what organizations they belong to, you start to see where, what kind of partners would be interested in working with me on this film or already have built an audience that would be interested in what I'm doing. And especially for documentaries, you want to do these interviews of the subjects that you're you're interviewing and that you're working with because that's your core audience and the people they know. Um, and then the last piece really is, you know, where, do, where does your audience see their movies? If it's primarily, uh, you know, on their laptop, that could change the way you're going to shoot the film. It could change the camera you choose to use and, and how big your production value needs to be. So it would ultimately change the budget of your film. So I know that that is about... 10 steps removed from the campaign, but this is what I like people to start thinking about six months, eight months before they start to run a crowdfunding campaign because you're really starting to think of what do I want to do with this film and who do I want to reach? And then you can start to say, how do I go about doing that? So it starts very, very basically, um, and then you want to start um, working on your tone of how you're talking about this film in public. So opening your social media accounts as soon as possible. Um, and those social media accounts that you're using for your film have to be different ones than where you're talking about your children or what you ate for breakfast or how you're feeling today. Um, starting to use social media as a place where you're really cultivating your professional voice. So that, wow. is, that is the beginning. <laughs> That is brilliant. Thank you so much for being totally detailed with us because this is a very good outline for filmmakers to use to recognize how to pinpoint who their audience really is. So you just yes. suggest that they they take five to ten or twenty people and, and question them. Yeah, so you're basing your decisions on real people and real data. And the audience then stops being this sort of big, scary they that – 
if you build it, they will come, or they're go- that this big random group of they will suddenly find your movie, or you know that they are out there. And it really puts you in the driver's seat as the, as the filmmaker to find them and to speak directly to them. And it's, it's a very empowering place to be versus a very desperate place to be, which asking for money can feel very desperate at times. Oh, yes, and and it shouldn't because, actually, you're giving someone an opportunity to support something that can make a change and usually a very good change. Yeah, or I think you could be I supporting someone to do what they came to this earth to do, which is be a filmmaker, but they have to get the first film made to prove they can make a film. And so yeah. your support takes that person on their life path. Yeah, and I think that, you know, Carol, you talk a lot about this, but really um, helping people, you know, as a filmmaker, you are really offering something to the world. Um, And so getting away from this idea that even crowdfunding is is, you're out there with a a cup out there and you're you're begging for for change, but really you're inviting people to go on a journey with you. And the more they want to get involved, the more it's going to be an exciting journey. Um, And you're not begging. You are really offering something of value. And that if you can get that tone difference, um, it, it makes such a huge difference, not just for your audience wanting them to get in, engaged, but for you as a, as a filmmaker. It's a much more interesting and exciting and fun place to be when you feel like you're building this community of excited people versus sort of knocking at all these closed doors. Exactly. Well said, Erica. Well, what, see, because we um, run campaigns a lot through Indiegogo, people call me and say, oh, I want to run a campaign. Wonderful. All right, so uh, tell me about the film, and then tell me when you think you want to start. And they'll say, tomorrow. I'll say, wait a minute. <laughs> how many names do you have on the database? Ah, I have 300. And how much money are you asking for? 30000 Um, Okay, so there's a disparity here. Yes. How do you handle that? Yeah, so there are a few a few things. Um, first, I like to let people know, you know, there are some, I've been working with some other crowdfunding consultants, and I'm sure you run into this as well, and I know that you advise people in this way, Carol, but, you know, the first 30% of your campaign, or of a filmmaker's campaign, is essential. And um, why that is, uh, is that it really shows momentum. So if you can if you can get 25 to 30% of your campaign contributed in the first couple of days, that shows me, a stranger, that there's some momentum in this project and it's going to happen and I'm going to get excited about it. But if I come onto your page as just a stranger and you're two weeks in and you're only 2% funded, that tells me either, one, you're not working very hard or um, you didn't do enough research or the people who know you um, know that you're a crook and you're not going to do what you say you're going to do. So none of those things sort of um, engender this feeling of, it's, you know, success is not inevitable um, and there's no momentum. And this is something that I talk to people about as soon as they submit is, do you have an idea of where 20 to 30% of your campaign is going to come from? Um, and that usually comes from friends, family, your nearest and dearest colleagues. Um, and can you get people to commit in the first two to three days to contribute? Um, so that sort of stops people in their tracks when I let them know the statistics of if you want to raise $30,000, then you need to have this, you know, this amount of money um, that you know where it's coming from. Um, and so usually that, you know, people take a, take a step and say, okay, well, I know that I need $30,000 to make this movie, but the, my production costs are about fifteen. So what if I ran a campaign for production and let people know that I would be needing to come back for a post-production campaign as well to actually finish the film? So we built Seedenspark specifically so that you could run stage financing campaigns, um, and you can open a campaign, uh, a new wish list, which is how we uh, we have people structure their crowdfunding campaign. They, we actually have to list the things out that you need so your audience knows where their money is going. 
Um, but for consecutive campaigns for the same project, you get to open a new wish list with your same audience and supporters there. Um, but it really allows you to run the preliminary campaign so you can get the film off the ground, continue to build this audience so that your your campaign page really becomes this hub of places where you are gathering names and email addresses so that then when you needed to come back and raise more money, um, you can do that. It just might have to happen over several campaigns. So there are definitely ways to work around not having a very large database but it might mean that you have to be more flexible in your timeline of how you raise money. Um, but deciding to run a crowdfunding campaign when you nobody knows about what you're doing and you don't have any social media presence is just not – you're not setting yourself up for success. Well, Erica, I also find, too, that crowdfunding seems to follow you, uh, and success is the key. Um, because when you tell someone that you, uh, you're raising money, many times they'll say, oh, did you do an Indiegogo campaign or did you do a Kickstarter or a Seed and Spark? And they're going to say, yes, were you successful? Oh, well, no, I got very close, but you didn't succeed because people with money set goals, achieve them, set more, and uh, they and they are very goal-oriented, so they want to hear yes. Yeah, and I think yeah. it's uh, for that any other reason, that reason alone, that this does follow you. Uh, you need to be successful. Yeah, I was actually speaking with um, uh, a distributor, a woman from a distribution company here in Los Angeles yesterday, and we were talking to them about, um, you know, what do they look for in a film, especially you know a small independent film. And um, because people always assume it has to do with their festival. So, you know, did you get into Sundance? Did you get into South By? And um, she was saying that for them, and this is, you know, she's not speaking for all distributors, but that for them, they really look, you know, did they run a successful crowdfunding campaign? Um, she watched a film recently that she really enjoyed, and then when she looked up their history, she saw that they had run a crowdfunding campaign, that it wasn't successful, they weren't active on their social media accounts, that there weren't a lot of people who knew about this film. And so that showed her that they know how to make a film, but, you know, now in this day and age as filmmakers, if you start to, you know, if you run a crowdfunding campaign, if you do it successfully, if you know who your audience is and how to speak to them, you are so valuable for a distribution company um, because you know the best of how to talk about your film and who wants to see it. And so really to make yourself look the best for every stage in this process and actually getting your film out there if you want to work with a distributor, you know, having a campaign where you, exactly what you said, Carol, that you set realistic goals, you achieved them, you exceeded them, you continued to grow, um, but that you were, you know, every step of the way, setting realistic goals, meeting expectations, building trust and reputation, getting people excited, um, there are all these tenets of, of business that, you know, people have been working and, you know, startups and, and even, you know, much more established business views, um, but that we really need to start to adopt as filmmakers um, and that getting away from this idea that we just have to make the greatest thing and then we will be picked by someone who will then take it off our hands and we can do something, we can go on and do something else. Um, yeah. that, that just doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to tell you that I have a friend who's an actor, and he's telling me that when he goes in for auditions, that as he leaves, there's a guy with a clipboard saying, uh, "Do you have? Uh, tell me how many names you have on Facebook. Do you tweet? How many names do you have?" And uh, so it's obvious that the production companies want you to be active in social media to bring people to the table to see the film. Right, exactly. I I think if if you can if we can all start to sort of pay attention to to what we you know just as 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 members of this community and and just you know citizens who watch media, what do we pay attention to? And sort of the the traditional avenues um, are less and less appealing. And you know, so studios, for instance, people are going to go see those big blockbuster movies um, no matter what. But you know, me personally. I go to see independent movies if they're recommended to me by someone else or if I see someone that I trust 
that I follow on social media recommending something. So really, we are each responsible for growing the community of people who who are interested in what we're doing. Um, and yes, as an actor, as a director, as a cinematographer, um, if you if people are paying attention to what you're doing, you are you are so incredibly valuable to any project you're working on. Exactly. Um, it's like the tail is wagging the dog, but the fact is, you see, having run a successful business for 33 years in Hollywood, I can tell you that when I started my business, I had to uh, advertise, and it was always expensive. And I remember when I wrote my first ad, I, di- I didn't know how to do it. I-, I didn't know how to approach my audience, so I went to the owner of Backstage, got an appointment, went in, and asked him to write a, a an ad for me, and he did, Ira Eker. And we became great friends, and I took the first page, and that's how I got my uh, business started. Now, that was a very big expense for me, but it worked. But th- th- So yeah. today, that would be putting that same money into people working with you to uh, chat online in groups that are connected to the uh, subject matter of your film and marketing yourself, marketing your company, your business, your film. And it's free except for the labor. And that still is about maybe 50% of what we used to pay for advertising. I love that story you told, Carol, because you also admitted that you didn't know something at the beginning and that there was gonna, there was someone else who knew that would help you. And so you asked for advice. So having mentors in this area is so important. And hiring consultants for a couple hours, what are the things that I should know about that I don't know about, um, I think is really crucial that you don't have to know everything as soon as you start, but figure out people who do know more than you and who will either help you just as a mentor or you who you can pay to consult very briefly, you know, not signing on a bunch of people who just want to take your money and, you know, that sort of thing, but really where are your weaknesses? Where do you need to learn more things, and, and where can you get educated? Yes, that's exactly right. We have to start with what's going on and how do I catch up with everybody. Uh, but uh, on this uh, on this subject, how important do you think Facebook is to a campaign, and do you think that Facebook people donate? Um. I think that Facebook is very important for filmmakers in general, um, and I think that that uh, is very important for a campaign as well. So your your Facebook is only going to be as valuable as, as the effort that you put into it. So if you launch your Facebook page the same day you launch your crowdfunding campaign, it will not prove to be very valuable for you. Um, but I think, you know, social media in general, there are lots of different ways to approach it as a filmmaker and certainly for crowdfunding campaigns. But I think for you know, most films, you want you want a Facebook page. Twitter, I think, is a little bit different. I think if you have a short film or something where um, you're not going to be focusing on it for more than, you know, a couple of months, then don't bother creating a special Twitter handle. But Facebook is if that's where your audience is especially, then really figure out how does Facebook work. Um, have you seen people using it particularly well? What do you pay attention to? Um, and, yes, definitely Facebook is, is a place that converts well to to crowdfunding contributions and donations. Um, the highest place, that, the highest conversion rate is usually from direct messages and direct emails. Um, but there are ways, uh, I think, on most, most crowdfunding campaigns, we offer a dashboard on Seed and Spark where it's traffic sources. So where are people coming from to your crowdfunding campaign page, and how many of those people are then converting into actual contributions? And Facebook, uh, if people have um, a crowd built there already, is a, is a very valuable place for, for getting contributions. Great. Thank you. Okay. So um, I, I want I want to mention your video about what not to do with your trailer. It is fantastic. Uh, oh. You want to laugh, you want to cry, and then you say, oh, heavens. Well, you know, you learned so much from that video. So tell us uh, some of the things that you have in there and why you made it. Sure. 
Um, so in that video, that video, uh, we see a lot of pitch videos at Seed and Spark, um, and so we and we've done a lot of research of what people pay attention to and what people don't. Um, and that video that you're referring to was from a Film Courage interview um, that is a much it's about an hour and some long interview, and that piece is specific about the pitch video. Um, and something happens when filmmakers set out to make pitch videos. I think that they immediately get very nervous about being in front of the camera um, and somehow forget all of the things that they know how to do. So the cardinal rule in show business is show, don't tell. And the majority of films, pitch videos that I see that come onto the site start with um, start with the filmmaker in a, in a badly lit environment with um, you know lots of external noise and it's you know apparent no script was written um, and and then they talk and talk and talk and talk and talk about this film that they want to make um, and the truth is you know what a pitch video needs to do is first and foremost show us that this filmmaker is is good at their job and that we trust that what they're going to make this, you know, the larger movie is going to be great. And this pitch video is your chance to show your filmmaking skills. Um, so we need to feel something in the pitch video. Um, if it's going to be a comedic movie, we need to laugh in the pitch video. If it's scary, uh, if it's a horror film, we need to be scared. Um, and, and we need to be shown as much as possible. So ideally, the first 15 seconds of a pitch video is for the audience of that film um, and that we're going to feel something and be engaged and then we'll be introduced to you as the filmmaker. And by then we actually want to know who you are and care about what you're doing. But, um, uh, but if we just open the video on your face, then we don't know if we're going to like you or, or like the film that you're working on. And um, people very quickly will turn off. So it's really important that that pitch video is, you know, under two minutes, ideally at the 90-second mark. The first 15 seconds are something that is engaging in the world of your film, showing your filmmaking abilities. Um, they're also then, you know, we do want to see you in the video. We want to care about you so that we start to follow you from project to project. Um, thinking about what kind of music should be in that video, should be tailored for your audience. Um, and... It should be, you know, it should really help you start to hone what that elevator pitch is. So who are you? What is the project? Why are you making it? Why should we care? Why are we excited? Um, and why should we contribute now? So making really sure that that little video that represents your bigger film is really fantastic. So hire a sound person, write a script, pick a good location, light it well. It is really worth the effort. Well said. Now, I like this. Why should we contribute now? Um, I believe that the trailer is what grabs people's attention. We're back to marketing now. But the page is the closer. What do you think? I, I agree. I think, I, think the video, um, I think the video, if that was the only person, only thing a person was going to see if they, if they saw it on YouTube, for instance, the video has to be enough that we are totally engaged and are left wanting more. Um, and then when we land on the actual crowdfunding page, you get to learn more about what the project is. You get to see where the money is going. Um, and then incentives are sort of the last piece. So the main incentive for someone who is contributing to a film campaign is they want to see the film. So there are lots of different ways to make that happen. Um, uh, you know, if it's backers-only screenings. Um, but being careful, maybe you don't want to send out 500 DVDs. That's pretty expensive. Um, but what are some creative ways that you can offer this film early to people who have shown up for you? Maybe that's a day-and-date release when you get into a festival or an expiring link so that everyone who have backed the film uh, we'll watch it during a couple of days and then get to talk about it. You know, there's a, those are good options to think about if you're worried about giving people a downloadable link and having them share it and, and things like that. But really, you know, thinking about that, that is the main incentive. People want to see this film. And then for other incentives, um, thinking about what is going to what is going to really sell someone 
and, and push them over the edge? What can you offer to people that will excite them? And keeping in mind that, you know, we are not T-shirt manufacturers. We, we are filmmakers. So what are the things that you can offer to your audience that engage them further in your film and don't cost you a lot to manufacture and ship? Posters are expensive um, to make and to package and to ship. Um, so I see things that people do that are exciting, like inviting people to be extras on their set or um, if you have a particular DP who is an expert in a camera that they would offer a two-hour tutorial for that camera or um, people get to have a walk-on role or they get to visit set and have and have lunch with the cast and crew. Um, we had a film fundraise with us that was a feminist grindhouse thriller, and the lead character was a stripper. And for uh, for one of the incentives, they offered uh, a pole dancing class for 10 people at a certain time. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. So it's something that's fun like that. So it's, it's, it's something that they would like to be a part of and engages them further in the world of your film. Um, and the other thing, lastly, that I will say about incentives is, you know, $25 is the most common contribution amount. Um, and so what can you offer at that level that is really um, personal, visual, and shareable, thinking about those things? Um, I give this example in, in this workshop um, that I teach. Um, one of these this fabulous filmmaker named Sean Mannion did a time-traveling short and for $25, if you contributed in the first week of his campaign, um, he would send you a message that said, I'm, you know, I'm working on a time-traveling movie. If you could go anywhere in history, where would you go? And then I said, I would like to land on the moon. I would like to be at the moon landing. And so he found a picture of mine on Facebook, photoshopped me landing on the moon, and then posted that to my Twitter account and tagged me. And said, we found at, you know, at Erica Anderson, at, uh, the moon landing, where will we find you? And so I shared that with my community, and, pe and just people who were, thought that that was fun and funny were like, yeah, I'll pay $25 for that. And so he turned my $25 contribution into a $250 contribution just from people that I knew that wanted that incentive. So that's an example of really taking that $25 contribution amount and turning it into um, something that is personal, visual, and shareable and really works for you. Plus, Erica, he now has nine new names to crowdfund exactly. to and market his film to for, the, uh, for eternity. He has nine more new names. It's up to him to uh, engage them and take care of them. But if he did that uh, ten times, that's 90 new people. Exactly. And it was a it was an incredibly smart move that he did because he also offered it only in the first week. So it incentivizing people to come on early on. And he also then had a library of these fun images that he could use for more outreach on his blog um, as just more materials that he had created and gathered. So it was a very smart move on his part for a skill that, you know, he could do Photoshop. That was a skill he had. Not everybody has that, but what is something like that that you can offer? Absolutely. That's, yes, that is very clever, and I can just see it paying off, because who wouldn't want to share that kind of a photo? That is great fun. Well done. Well, um, so this, thank you for incentives. We covered trailers, incentives. Um, let me ask you, what do you think is the biggest mistake uh, that um, that you work with filmmakers to prevent? Mm. Yeah, I think the biggest mistake that people, and well, I think this is answering a question, another question, but sort of what's the most important thing. But I think the, the, the thing I try to work most with filmmakers is to have a, a realistic view um, of where they are with their film, and also how to not get discouraged. So to be able to take it one step at a time um, and then also keep that excitement. Um, I think the number one thing that, that works against filmmakers is this sense of desperation. 
Um, and how you combat that is being really prepared and doing a bunch of research and having a team around you. Um, so if there's, you know, the number one thing, I think, to help, to you know, to you know prevent these mistakes is is being prepared and having and having a community of people um so not trying to do it alone and to do it in a rushed manner well where do you recommend they find people to work on their crew and on their film through in the social networking area yeah so there there are quite a few places where people are um there are different you know, creative district for one is a place where creative professionals are are meeting people, and that's stuff online where you load your resume on. But honestly, I think it is getting out there um, and doing research, but also going to things in in real life. So we host um, a salon, for instance, uh, for women in film here in Los Angeles, and it started because um, Emily Best, our CEO wanted to introduce her producer friends with uh, her female producer friends with um, female cinematographers that she knows um, so that they could start working together. And it has now turned into uh, a monthly event that last week we had 90 women show up for it. And a bunch of work is getting made because of that. And we have created this email list where one person writes in a day, you know, I need a hair and makeup person for this job that I'm working on. And in two minutes, she has 30 names. Um, so it's, it's joining it's joining meetups. It's um, I think Carol, you do a really wonderful job. You have a you have a database of people. So if someone's looking for a particular kind of producer, asking for help, um, doing research, what films are similar to yours and who worked on them, and then honestly, as filmmakers, get on Twitter. Even if you if, if if you don't have a Twitter account or you've never used it or you don't think your audience is on there, there are filmmakers on Twitter, and they're at all different levels of experience. Um, and there are people who are constantly looking for jobs and constantly working on on things. Um, we run a Twitter chat called Film Curious. It happens every two weeks, and we crowdsource the the topics for this for the chat, and then we bring in experts from the industry. Um, but it is really a conversation between these filmmakers, each other, as well as with these experts, and work is getting made from that. People are meeting, they're realizing connections um, that they need, but it's it's doing research and, and really putting yourself out there. Chances are you won't find people just sort of sitting alone at home, um, and so it's, it's putting yourself out there and really saying, this is what I need, this is what I'm working on, and not expecting someone to just be able to come in and save you, but that you're really saying, I want to do this as a team, here's what I'm thinking, you know, what can you bring to the table? I think this could be a really exciting journey. Excellent. Um, now, we want to know, uh, it, it was film what? I want to get the name and how to find it. Oh, yes. So if you on Twitter, if you search the hashtag, so hashtag film curious, F-I-L-M-C-U-R-I-O-U-S. And um, that hashtag people use all the time. It's something that we came up with. Um, to really, you know, if you're curious about film, this is something you're organizing around. But then every two weeks we have a Twitter chat on Tuesdays from 11 to 12 uh, Pacific Standard Time. And um, But you can also just search that hashtag to see the conversations that are that are going on. And they are all on Twitter, the conversations. They're all, they're all on Twitter, yeah. And then have come offline as well as people – meet and exchange email addresses and go to things in, in real life. But And I think the other thing, too, that I, I should mention is go to film festivals. Even if your film isn't in that festival, especially in Los Angeles, we have so many film festivals here, whether it's, um, you know, the L.A. Film Festival or the Holly Shorts Film Festival. There are so many different things going on. And that's where you will start to meet other people and people who are getting their work made and, and are doing a lot of interesting things. But Start participating in the community that you want to be a part of. Okay. Absolutely. Great. So um, 
You in your uh, outline of, of what uh, Seed and Spark does, you mentioned that you go all the way to distribution. So, can you explain that? Sure. Um, so, when we started Seed and Spark, um, it was primarily to to get filmmakers to start thinking about their whole career, and so using crowdfunding as a way of building that audience. And we quickly realized if we were going to provide a platform for people to build their audience, then we should also let that audience watch the movie as well in, in that same place. So not losing your audience trying to go to a bunch of different places or that you have to contact them again and tell them to go to this other link. Um, and also on the crowdfunding side, when people contribute, they earn something called sparks. And you can cash those sparks in on our cinema side to watch finished films. So it's our way of rewarding um, contributors as well. And so right now we have the, the crowdfunding platform. We have a streaming VOD rental platform. Uh, and then just recently we launched several new partnerships. So if you successfully crowdfund on Seed and Spark and you raise a minimum amount of money for distribution and you uh, have a minimum threshold of 500 supporters or followers, then you are eligible for some pretty substantial distribution. Um, and those partnerships uh, are with um, Verizon Fios, so a cable VOD distribution deal, um, iTunes, Amazon, Hulu, Vudu, uh, and Netflix. Now, a few of those, the, the platforms or the destinations have to pick your film still, um, but you are eligible uh, for a very discounted rate to actually get yourself onto those platforms. Um, so we are really working as a facilitator for those films and filmmakers and rewarding filmmakers who have, um, who have built an audience uh, to actually get to, to monetize that audience and, and reach directly to the people who are interested in what they're doing. And the final piece is we are working with uh, emerging pictures um, to work on theatrical distribution for those films in specific markets. So that is also why getting those email addresses and a minimum of 500 followers uh, is important because that helps emerging pictures determine where you have an audience that would want to come see that film, what market that is. Um, so that is sort of the basics of, of our distribution component. Um, it's never been done before, and it's also something that we are very interested in advocating on behalf of our filmmakers to get as much data as they possibly can so that if you have a distribution deal, you know where are people watching your film, how many people have watched it. And I'm not saying that we're going to be able to get all of the big boys in the distribution market to play fair immediately and to be transparent, but that is our goal. We think that it's, it makes a better business for all of us and for our industry if our filmmakers are empowered with the data that they need to continue to make successful films and to put out better and better content. Great. This is so wonderful for filmmakers. Thank you very much for what you're doing. Now, you mentioned discounted rates. So in other words, because you are setting this up and bringing people to them, saving them time and effort, um, they they will pass that savings on to the filmmakers with a better rate than they would have normally gotten if they went in the front door. Is that right? Correct. So we're working um, specifically with content delivery companies. So you can't go directly to iTunes um, and put your film on iTunes. You all, anyone has to go through a content delivery company. So, um, and they deliver to all of the different, um, different platforms. So we have negotiated with, um, with these content delivery companies that we will work as a facilitator, and we then negotiated a discounted rate. But also we work as, you know, because we're facilitating that relationship, we actually have a person that we are dealing with at the content delivery company. Um, and it's not just, you're not just in the system as one of many, but there's really, you know, we're helping you get your film through this process. Um, which, you know, if you go, if you try to go directly, sometimes that can take six to nine months to actually get it to happen. Um, there's just a huge onslaught. So as a student spark film, you get, um, you get preferential treatment. Wonderful. Well done. Um, all right, Eric, what a wealth of information you've given us. We really thank you. But tell people how they can find you, please. Yes. 
So our website is seedandspark.com, um, and all of the uh, a lot of the things that I said today, I also teach in this workshop called Crowdfunding to Build Independence. Um, and it's part of um, this education push that we are doing to really try to get filmmakers to think like uh, entrepreneurs and creative professionals. Um, so that is something I teach all over the country. Uh, so if you go to our website, all we have lots of materials. Um, there's a handbook version of the class. You can really work your way through to start thinking about building your audience and running a crowdfunding campaign. Um, I teach uh, Emily Best and I both teach this workshop all over the country. So you can follow us on Twitter under the hashtag StayIndieTour. Um, I am on Twitter at, at WingsOfAPig is my Twitter handle. Um, and anytime you have any questions for any of us at Seed and Spark, you can contact us directly um, via the help button on the site or info at Seed and Spark. Um, and you can also just submit your project directly to the site. If you have questions and you want feedback, um, please just use the launch button and, and submit the basics of your project, and, and we will get back to you. That's brilliant. This is it. We need one-on-one -on -one work with filmmakers. Yes. This is new, and it really has to uh, – you need a lot of information to do this and be successful, and I, and I will add – that if you want, if you are physically sponsored by us through From the Heart and want to run on Seed and Spark, simply email me because we are setting up our arrangement so that you can run it on Seed and Spark and still get your uh, status as a nonprofit. Yes, and I, I have to say for all filmmakers, if you are thinking about you know using a fiscal sponsor. Um, Please, please, please check out everything that Carol has done. She will, she will get you into the best position possible. And and we just, I love working with you, Carol, and and what you provide your filmmakers and how much you really care. It really is. There's a lot of educating to be done, and it can make the world of difference in your film to work with someone like Carol. Oh my gosh! Thank you so much, Erica. What a kind <laughs> to say. I really appreciate it. All right, best of luck to you. I'm so impressed with all you're doing to educate and support filmmakers, and thank you. Thank you for all that, Erica. Thank yes. you, Carol. Okay, Claire, yes. thanks for the all show. Right. Oh, you're welcome, everyone. Be well and take good care, Erica. Thank you, Claire. Take care, <laughs> Erica. Bye-bye. Bye. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to the Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone.